April 18th. Today's reading in the Old Testament will be from the book of Joshua, chapter 16, verse 1, through chapter 18, verse 28. Here is an overview of what's going on there just before we begin our reading of today's one-year Bible. Ephraim and Manasseh were Joseph's two sons, born to him in Egypt. Jacob adopted them as his own and gave them a special blessing from the Lord, which explains why these two tribes were given such valuable land in the heart of Canaan. Now Joseph had kept the family alive during seven years of famine, and his descendants reaped the benefits. They were wealthy because of Joseph's faith and his love and Jacob's special blessing. However, we must not live only on what our ancestors have provided. We must also claim an inheritance for ourselves and our children. The two tribes did a lot of complaining, but not much conquering. Now, in the case of Zelophehad's daughters, they had not because they asked not. In the case of the two tribes, they had not because they claimed not. I wonder if we're guilty of the same thing today. As we move into Joshua chapter 18, since it was centrally located, Shiloh was the ideal place for the tabernacle. During the years of Israel's wanderings, the tabernacle was in the center of the camp. Now it was at the center of the land, accessible to all, and a reminder that the fear of God must be at the heart, the very center of the nation. Beware the sin of neglect. It was not the enemy that prevented the tribes from claiming their inheritance. No, it was their own indifference and indolence, laziness. The surveyors gathered the facts, but God gave the guidance needed for the allocation of the land. And the principle for you and me today is, we must cooperate with the Lord if we want to know His will. We have to walk in His ways, walk in the light as He is in the light. April 18th. Today's reading in the New Testament takes place in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 27, where it talks about the day of salvation. Verse 10 is illustrated in the experience of Zacchaeus. Jesus came to him, and Jesus sought him and saved him. Kind of the same way he works with you and me today, and in the lives of those we love. Now, though he was surrounded by a great crowd of people, all trying to get his attention, no doubt, Jesus took time for individuals, and he even saw a man up there in a tree. Well, he's still the seeking Savior, isn't he? But now he uses your eyes, your hands, your lips to speak for him. Also in Luke chapter 19, during uh, verses 11 through 27, we'll see that the Bible speaks of the day of evaluation. There are three possible relationships with the king. You can reject his rule and be an enemy. But that leads, of course, to judgment. You can accept his rule and be unfaithful, but that leads to loss of reward. Or you can accept his rule, do his will faithfully, and receive his reward. You are not to protect what he gives you, but to invest it for his glory. That's the theme of our reading today. So let's begin our reading of the one-year Bible in the New Testament. April 18th, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 27. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax-collecting business, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, 
but he was too short to see over the crowds. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, so he could watch from there. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, for I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have overcharged people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a son of Abraham, and I, the son of man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten servants and gave them ten pounds of silver to invest for him while he was gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say they did not want him to be their king. When he returned, the king called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what they had done with the money and what their profits were. The first servant reported a tremendous gain, ten times as much as the original amount. "'Well done!' the king exclaimed. "'You are a trustworthy servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward.' The next servant also reported a good gain, five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You can be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, I hid it and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Hard am I? If you knew so much about me and how tough I am, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank so I could at least get some interest on it? Then, turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who earned the most. But master, they said, that servant has enough already. Yes, the king replied, but to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. And now about these enemies of mine, who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in my presence. Fall forward. This is what I mean. Reggie Jackson struck out 2,600 times in his career, the most in the history of baseball, but you don't hear about the strikeouts. People remember the home runs. Fall forward. Thomas Edison conducted 1,000 failed experiments. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Because the 1,001st was the light bulb. Fall forward. Every failed experiment is one step closer to success. You've got to take risks, and I'm sure you've probably heard that before, but I want to talk to you about why that's so important.
First, you will fail at some point in your life. Accept it. You will lose. You will embarrass yourself. You will suck at something. There's no doubt about it. In the acting business, you fail all the time. Early on in my career, I auditioned for a part in a Broadway musical. Perfect role for me, I thought. I'm, I'm in the wings, I'm about to go on stage, but the guy in front of me, he's singing like, like, like Pavarotti. He's just, he's just going on and on and on. So I come out with my little sheet music and it, it was, it was uh, just my imagination by the Temptations. That's what I came up with. So I hand it to the, 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 the accompanist and uh, she looks at it and looks at me and looks out at the director and was like, But the next part of the audition, he called me back. The next part of the audition is the acting part of the audition. Now I'm like, hey, okay, maybe I can't sing, but I know I can act. So they pair me with this guy. And again, I didn't know about musical theater. And musical theater is big, so they can reach everyone all the way in the back of the, of the stadium. And I'm more from a realistic, uh, naturalistic kind of acting where you, you, know, you actually talk to the person next to you. I didn't get the job. But here's the thing. I didn't quit. I didn't fall back. I walked out of there to prepare for the next audition and the next audition and the next audition. I prayed. I prayed. And I prayed. But I continued to fail and fail and fail, but it didn't matter because you know what? There's an old saying, you hang around the barbershop long enough, sooner or later you're gonna get a haircut. So you will catch a break, and I did catch a break. Last year, I did a play called Fences on Broadway. Someone talked about it. Won the Tony Award. I, and I didn't have to sing, by the way. <laughs> But here's the kicker. It was at the court theater. It was at the same theater that I failed that first audition 30 years prior. The point is, every graduate here today has the training and the talent to succeed. But do you have the guts to fail? If you don't fail, you're not even trying. I'll say it again. If you don't fail, you're not even trying. My wife told me this great expression. To get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. Les Browns, a motivational speaker, he made an analogy about this. He says, imagine you're on your deathbed, and standing around your deathbed are the ghosts representing your unfulfilled potential. The ghost of the ideas you never acted on. The ghost of the talents you didn't use. And they're standing around your bed, angry, disappointed, and upset. They say, we, we came to you because 
You could have brought us to life, they said. And now we have to go to the grave together. So I ask you today, how many ghosts are going to be around your bed when your time comes? Today, we're reading Psalm 87. Here's an overview of what we'll find here. The earthly Mount Zion is a figure of the heavenly Zion, the city of God, and God's redeemed people. As you ponder this psalm, take inventory of your spiritual life. On what are you building? Are you building your life on God's foundation? Salvation is of the Jews, for God's gracious work in this world came through Israel. Your Bible is a Jewish book, by the way, and the Savior came from the tribe of Judah. When the church was born, the Holy Spirit came on Jewish believers in the temple in Jerusalem. To obey Him is to build on an unfailing foundation. Another good question to ask ourselves as we read in Psalms 87 today is, where is your citizenship? Some people like to boast about the place of their birth, but the once-born do not have the blessings of the twice-born. Through faith in Christ, God's children are enrolled in the heavenly Zion and will live with the Father forever there. And then uh, the third question to ponder here in Psalm 87, what are your joys? Jerusalem is one of the few ancient cities that is not built by a river. The psalmist found all his joys in Jerusalem, and he wanted nothing more. By faith you can drink of the river of his pleasures. Psalm 87, verses 1 through 7, a psalm of the descendants of Korah, a song. On the holy mountain stands the city founded by the Lord. He loves the city of Jerusalem more than any other city in Israel. O city of God, what glorious things are said of you! I will record Egypt and Babylon among those who know me, also Philistia and Tyre, and even distant Ethiopia. They have all become citizens of Jerusalem. And it will be said of Jerusalem, Everyone has become a citizen here, and the Most High will personally bless this city. When the Lord registers the nations, He will say, This one has become a citizen of Jerusalem. At all the festivals the people will sing, The source of my life is in Jerusalem. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows. Psalm 